This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 52 with guest Lana Wittig. Hello everyone, I'm your host Daria Sovorova and welcome to today's conversation. Lana Wittig is a true Berliner, born in Wedding, she grew up in Tegel. Lana started her career in the music industry and has been responsible for artist management and music marketing since 2006. In 2021, Lana took over as the CEO of a media company called Edition F, which is the digital home for strong women and their friends. Today, we speak about Lana's upbringing and how she overcame fear of not having enough financial security, overruling that fear with values and purpose. With the recent insolvency announcement at Edition F, we also talk about how it's like to navigate a company through economically tough times as a CEO. I hope you learn a lot in today's episode and make sure you subscribe to our newsletter via waa.berlin. Welcome to the studio, Lana. I know we have agreed for this conversation in the midst of very interesting things happening in your life and there's a lot on your plate at the moment. So I'm very thankful that you found time for this conversation and came over to the studio. So I hope we're going to have a very yeah, comfortable and sincere uh, talk today. And I also can get to know you better. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Lana, I would love to hear about your upbringing and how you started working very early on in your life. And I also, interestingly enough, read a blog where it said that fear of not having enough money or financial security or work stability was something that present in your life. So where does that come from? I'm originally from Berlin. I grew up here in the north of Berlin. When people ask me in like small talk situations, I would always say uh, I grew up between Tiglasee and Tiglaforst, which are the lake and the forest in Tegel. Um, Tegel, many people, most people only know from the former airport. It's actually a nice corner of Berlin. And yeah, it's, uh, I grew up there. Um, what I leave out, uh, when I, when I say that is that I grew up in a high rise, uh, in between the lake and the forest. Um, but it's, it, it sounds very idyllic when I say it like that. And then, um, I think the information with uh, about the high rise is probably gives a little bit more clarity about the situation my family was in. I grew up with my mom. She was a single mother and, um, my grandmother. Yeah. Who was kind of like my, my second parent, both became mothers very young. Uh, my, my grandmother had her first child, my, my mom when she was 20. My mother had me when she was 21. And both had both of their children, uh, from two different men, but they didn't stick around. So they were single mothers of half siblings, pretty much. So mm. my half sister came much later. She's uh, almost 10 years younger than me. But yeah, that's, that's how I grew up with my mom and my grandma and both were very young, definitely had their own histories, I would say, their own battles in life. Um, but when I was a child, it took me a while to really understand that that's not the, like the normal standard family model. 
but we actually had a lot of fun, I would say, growing up because they were so young and they were very energetic and we had lots of adventures. And um, so that all was very good. But we always struggled with money because my um, my mother didn't work. She was always uh, she she battled with depression and she I think having me uh, so young, she never really got around to making a plan for her life. Both of them passed away a couple of years ago, so very f quickly after uh, one another. So, yeah, having my own child now, I actually started reflecting much more about the relationships we had with each other and how tough life must have been for both of them being in situations where they weren't financially stable and uh, responsible for children that young on their own, pretty much. But that's how I grew up. I'm starting to uh, make big rounds here. Wow, I didn't expect that you would share that. And with having, as you said, very energetic, but also young mom and uh, not having enough of that stability in your life, how did fear affect your life? And was it easy to live with that fear? Was it something conscious or unconscious? Very unconscious, I think. That's something I came around to realizing much later when I was a grown-up already. And when I stopped a couple of years back and just uh, trying to look back at like when I was in my 30s and also when when my mom and my grandma passed away I um, took a lot of time on just looking back and and looking not only on their lives but also on my own way and um, how I got where I am and um, also taking a break for the first time pretty much uh, grieving and and the fear as an issue came up a lot in that time and I started thinking about where lots of it stems from and I always uh, from from a young age on I always worked a lot and I always f also found a lot of pleasure in my work and um, but I never really stopped and at that point um, five uh, about five years back uh, when I lost both of them I took some time to look to look back and also try to understand why I would always run through life pretty much because I felt, yeah, I felt like I, I couldn't really take breaks. I always went from one job to the other. I always tried to make as much money as possible. Well, I mean, I'm not a millionaire or anything, so I'm, I also spend a lot of money. That's a problem. But, um, you know, just... Here's the balance. <laughs> I always tried to have that certain security and knowing where my next paycheck comes from. And, um, yeah, and, and I think that comes from, from times in my childhood when I kind of knew something was up at the end of the month when my mom had to borrow money from my grandmother or from a friend and I would sometimes hear her. I mean, she would always make sure we had everything. But from a certain age on, I knew she struggled with making sure that we had right. everything. But how do you think when you reflect um, on today and how you've changed? Because you did say that you put new values and new purposes that allowing you to be more acceptable of risk. Well, I think that there were always two holds in me pretty much because on the one hand I was always felt I needed a security but I also always 
strived for more and that usually um, comes along with having to take risks. So I think within my personal limits, I was always a risk taker. <laughs> Fair enough. And you actually uh, were a risk taker maybe right from the start, because interestingly enough, I would love to hear about your first gig and how you had your leeway into the music scene because you were working mm. with a stylist, which seems like a a very adventurous, I would say, endeavor. That actually just kind of happened to me. And I, 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 you said I took yes the to chance. It, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was... I think 20 years old and I had just finished school when I was 19, I think. I lived in a shared apartment with my best friends in Mitte. Cool, in Mitte. At Rosenthaler Platz and um, that was in 2005. There was still a, I'm very old, there was still a Burger King at the corner where now Uberholz is and there were no hotels at all and no galleries. It was actually kind of a shabby corner back oh, really? then. Oh, yeah. wow. Otherwise, we could have never afforded to live there. That's why I was like fancy, but probably uh, Berlin has changed since then. Yeah, it's it's changed a lot. And that corner in particular changed very fast when we lived there. But we had this super cheap apartment we had. I don't know why, but we had a real estate agent back then. Also, We didn't pay him. But there was this guy who showed us apartments. And he showed us one apartment in that building where we ended up living which was renovated very nicely and it was too expensive for us. And we, uh, it was very big. It was like a hundred square meters for, for rooms right at Rosenthaler Platz and, Torstrasse. Um, yeah, Torstrasse, Ecke-Ackerstrasse. Not bad. And we were like, yeah, that's, that's beautiful, but can't afford it. And he was like, well, okay. I didn't want to show you this, but. Two floors down, we have the same apartment, but it's not renovated and it's 200 euros less. I think he kind of, I don't know, maybe pitied us a bit or he liked us. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we were like three young Trustworthy. Women. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and so we ended up having that very rundown, but very cool, big apartment for like 500 euros. Not bad. Where we lived the three of us and you should um, not tell those prices today this is like 400 I, I, square <laughs> meters in Torstrasse Ooh. yeah 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 this is a hot topic it's it is it is I know and I'm I'm still kind of I I still don't know why I let that lease go but um <laughs> yeah so yeah we lived there and we all we did pretty much was party I worked at a cafe and my friend was like a promotion girl for Red Bull and so that's my best friend. And we all pretty much were a little lost in where to go next and what to do with life. We, um, none of us had a real plan. And yeah, we, we were kind of finding ourselves there. And, um, so the only constant pretty much in our lives was partying. So we did that a lot and had lots of like, party acquaintances, friends, whatever you would call them. And uh, one of them, photographer, I talked to one night at one of those parties in uh, in a club called Rio. That doesn't ring a bell, unfortunately. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very cool club. <laughs> <laughs> 
and on, on Chausseestraße. And he told me that his friend, um, a fashion stylist, had just broken her ankle. And she looked for someone who could assist her because she needed to drive her car to lots of jobs. And with her broken ankle, she couldn't drive her car. And I was like, okay, well, I have this old car. I can drive. Um, I don't have anything to do. Give me her number. I'll call her. So, yeah, so I called her. She said, can you drive? I said, yes. And then that was it. I got the job. And then I found out what a, what a fashion stylist does. And I accompanied her to lots of photo shoots and campaign shoots. And, um, all I did pretty much was get coffee or steam clothes and, It was fun. I, I just met a lot of people. And, but the, the, the thing that actually stood out to me was that at that time, she was the stylist of a um, German hip hop group called Die Fantastischen Vier. And um, during that summer, I think it was three, four months or something. I'm not sure. I had the pleasure to go to a couple of TV uh, recordings with them and, And also be at a couple of festival shows, carrying their clothes there pretty much, and that I had steamed before, um, <laughs> which they can probably not remember. But uh, <laughs> it was a very important time in my life, actually, because it led to a lot of, a lot of other uh, things happening. So Those um, little things matter. Totally, <laughs> yeah. And um, at one of those shows, I looked at the audience from um, behind the stage and It was just so the energy in that audience during their live show, it just got to me. It was like, I, I always liked music. I, I, I mean, back then I bought a lot of CDs <laughs> and, uh, and I always liked concerts, but I never made the, um, connection that is actually something you could do as a job. I just didn't know about that. And that was pretty much the day. When I thought, okay, I think that's what I want to do. I started trying to get an in to the industry. And I, th I, I thought the best way would be to, to get an internship at a artist booking agency. And I emailed all of them and none would have me. Like they, they the didn't, reason. they didn't even answer. I don't know. They didn't, I, it was just. You know, I was this 20-year-old with no experience at all, and I just sent them an email saying, please give me an internship, and no one would do that. I thought, okay, I have to, I have to look into other companies to get in, into the event industry. So I ended up working as an intern for a um, an indie record label from New York. It doesn't exist anymore. It was called TVT Records, TVT, and the Berlin office was called TVT Europe. And they had started out making like TV theme music, mm -hmm. but then signed all of the crunk hip hop artists like Lil Jon and the Ying Yang Twins. And back then they were huge. So they had a moment of being very successful. And that was the year I uh, started working there as well, an intern. Well, it sounds a lot, a lot better. The the labels company were probably biting their elbows that <laughs> they didn't get you. <laughs> oh, it was it was not a good internship. It was not. Um, <laughs> Ouch! It was half a year of uh, making coffee for 
the product managers there. It was a very small team, but what I learned there and what I still keep very close now as a leader, I would never want to give anyone the feeling that they gave me back there. I had a good friend in um, the CEO's assistant. We're still friends, um, like 17 years later. But especially the men working at that company back then, they were arrogant and they actually treated me like their mate pretty much. Uh-uh. Yeah, I, I went through with it because I wanted to take the experience. What I learned there is pretty much don't do it like them. I would like to move to the next kind of chapter of the conversation and also of your life, uh, right? And you joining more the digital media scene and switching from music industry and discovering Edition F. Can you tell me how did you learn about it and why you felt this was your, so to speak, the next second act That sort of happened to me too. <laughs> I, I didn't really plan for it. It was kind of a coincidence. But isn't life is just a bunch of coincidence and then you have to either pick and say yes or no to <laughs> different things? Yeah, 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 definitely. I think so. But I also know people who who have like a, a real plan Agenda. and then they, yeah, and then they go for it and it's like a five-year, 10-year plan or whatever. And I never had that. I still don't have that for myself now. Because I also think life is very hard to plan. And of course, you can have goals and visions or wishes or whatever for life. But I also, yeah, I kind of made the experience that life kind of works against that sometimes. So you That's just true. have to go with the flow. Um, which is hard for me because I'm also, that's also maybe the, something that contradicts itself within me. I, I'm a big control freak and um, going with the flow is not easy for me. <laughs> But still you do. I, I feel um, like you're very contradicting. <laughs> yeah. My plan was to take a break, to not have anything lined up and just take a break and think about my life. And of course, that didn't work out at all. I get super nervous not having anything to do. Uh, I get super nervous not knowing where my next paycheck came would come from. And then I tried to work around the nervousness with just like getting lots in my schedule. And I started learning French and went to like the Volkshochschule every morning. And then I started um, doing a Pilates instructor Ausbildung. And that's how I speak English at home with my partner. I just use German words whenever I can't find the right English ones. Fair enough. We're in Germany after all. So, <laughs> And then I just, I ended up not working, but having lots of things to do. Which is also great. I mean, activities, hobbies. For, yeah, I didn't feel calm about it. It was okay. like, it didn't feel like a good break. I don't know. I, I just couldn't calm down. And If this would happen today, would you feel calm? Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, actually. But I would hope that I can take that experience into consideration and try to... I, I think I'm a little more confident in the fact that I think I will find new things to do. Like people will mm -hmm. hire me to do things nowadays. I'm I'm more confident in that now than I was Like seven years ago. Mm -hmm. So maybe I could, yeah, maybe I could uh, relax a little more. 
then I did, I learned French and did Pilates for like a month. And then I got the call that my grandmother was uh, very sick. And that was like a very, very fast development. And I just thought, okay, that's, I never had a break in my professional life. And now I have the chance to be with her while she's sick. So I'm not going to find a new job now. I'm going to be with her. And then I took those two months that I had from the, like the first call I got about it until she passed away. And I just uh, spent that two months with her and I was by her side pretty much. And I, I held her hand when she was, um, when she died. And um, I just tried to use that time that I had for the first time because I couldn't have done that if I, uh, had I been in a job at mm. that time. But also uh, always in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm using up all the money I have saved up. Um, and how long can I actually go without going broke? So every now and then I would send out an, an application to a job that sounded okay. Mm -hmm. And one of the jobs that sounded okay was actually a job at Edition F. But I wasn't really into the job description, but I really liked the company. I was a fan of the magazine that had just launched and it really spoke to me what um, Nora and Suse, the founders of Edition F, did and and I, I liked their vision. And it was actually something that I felt had been missing from like the media I consume. And then I saw they had a job opening. It was called Marketing and Sales Manager. And I thought, okay, I can do marketing. That sounds fine. And that's probably fun. I never wanted to go into sales. And then I, I thought, okay, I'll just apply. And if they like me, if they invite me for an interview, I will try to turn it around. I will try to, I don't know, we'll try to turn the job position around or something. Yeah, it was such a challenging time in my life emotionally that I didn't invest a lot of thought into the whole process. And they invited me for an interview and I, I had a very nice interview with them. And then I um, got to know the team and they offered me a job and they offered me that job. And it was it felt like kind of a step back from what I did in the music industry, um, coming from like a senior position and a good network and lots of responsibility mm -hmm. and freedom in my work going into that position that didn't feel quite right. Mm -hmm. And also... I took a step back in my salary and I don't know, but it was just, it was actually a combination of, I really like that company and I want to see where that goes. And I would like to be a part of that. And also this is a job that I got offered in a really hard time in my life and I need money now. So this was kind of the beginning for me at Edition F. Yeah. And I started there a month after my uh, grandma had passed and then that was January 2016 and ever since that I've yeah I've been with the company you've been so it, it definitely uh, something kept you there yeah definitely and I mean it turned out to be a great fit and the role I actually got to turn around <laughs> so that's good <laughs> um, but I uh, but not the way I thought I would because I actually ended up not doing any marketing at all mm -hmm. and doing lots of sales but mm -hmm. I found a way with the founders to make that a sales position that I actually had a lot of fun with 
So basically, in a nutshell, Edition F is a digital home for strong women and their friends and people who are passionate and have an interest for creating career they wish for themselves to talk about feminism, to talk about equality. Why do you think, because Edition F, at least in our bubble, or at least I have a feeling in German entrepreneurial scene, it's quite known for this go-to media when you want to hear about feminism, successful mm -hmm. women, equality. Why do you think it took off so well and it worked so well and there was a need for it in the market? I always look at myself because I'm kind of, I'm the target group of what we do and you are too. A product like Edition F just wasn't there. There wasn't anything comparable in the market, in the media market back then. Something like a magazine that was a, a digital product that you could have on your phone, then a feminist product that didn't feel dated in the way that yeah we deal or the, the angle we take mm -hmm. uh, with feminist issues. Then also a magazine that would totally steer away from all the stereotypical female topics, like we never really um, did anything about fashion or beauty or gossip or diets, but we would look at societal problems on economic issues, political issues, but also always with like a female feminist angle in mind. I love that story, how our founders actually, um, when they had the idea for Edition F, um, they tried to sell it to all of the large publishing houses in Germany. They got sent away by all of them. And they all said, women don't want what you plan. There's no market for that. And I mean, obviously, times have changed. And that was 2014. So... Yeah, a lot, a lot of time has passed. And, um, I think all the publishing houses know by now that there is a market there, but it's still, I think the, the timing was very good for, for Edition F to be launched. And then also because it was so unique, there was a community that kind of built itself in a way mm -hmm. immediately. I mean, there's still a lot of community work behind that that we do, but mm -hmm. there was just a need there. And these women that liked Edition F, they wanted to network with each other. They wanted to be connected with each other. They wanted to um, talk to like-minded women. And opening up those rooms for them to meet and to talk, and that's actually how we got into the events. That was a, a smart decision, and that was something that, made people feel something, you know, that they had been missing. And maybe to talk about not so pleasant news is how for you, because you took over as a CEO and w was leading the company the last two years, almost more yeah. or less, and you took over during the pandemic mm -hmm. um, and you took over while having a baby on your hands. Mm -hmm. So it's already was quite a challenging start, I would uh, assume. Well, I, I didn't have the baby yet. But it was kind of... It was arriving. It was kind of almost comedic timing, I would say, because the first day Nora and Zuse were officially out of office after handing over everything. That was the day I took the pregnancy test. Awesome. Um, so 
on the first day of the job, I found out I was pregnant and it wasn't planned, as you might have <laughs> heard from that. It freaked me out because, I mean, I, I, I always knew I wanted to have a child, but my partner actually wasn't so sure about it. And we knew we had to have a talk about that. But then I got the job offer. I, and Susan Nora asked me if I wanted to take over. And that was the moment where I thought, okay, baby plans are Post in the future. Now, right? Yeah, that's not going to happen now. I'm going to give everything I have into that job. And we'll talk about it maybe in a year or two. So life happened. Life happened. Okay, so it was, it was arriving in a in some months. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But still, I can imagine a mixture of things happening and maybe a bit different again to your what we previously talked about. You looking for that consistency for that stable environment, and here it's pandemic making the business a bit difficult. Definitely uh, preparation yeah. for baby arrival also quite I can imagine tough or requires you a different mindset but also fast forward to this year this also hasn't been an easy year and the last months at Edition F I can imagine has been very difficult for you as well navigating the company through quite difficult economic times how do you feel today Lana and how does it for you to reflect on those couple of years to today I'm, uh, I feel tired, but also cautiously optimistic, I would say. But maybe I should take some steps back, explain the situation that you're talking about. So, yeah, if I, um, if we want to take a look at the situation, uh, since pandemic, I mean, we always had ups and downs with Edition F economically, like uh, financially, we have been in, in a lot of turmoil every now and then. And um, then the pandemic started 2020. Uh, we had just had a very rough 2019, where it started off very rocky. Um, we, uh, Nora and Zuza, our founders, had to fire lots of people from the team because We had to uh, shut down one um, whole business area. And uh, we kind of worked through that crisis with the uh, small team that was left over. And uh, we were all pretty much burned out from doing lots of work to kind of save the company out of 2019 and actually managed to leave 2019 on a high note, but very burned out pretty much. And we were all looking for forward to an easy 2020. And um, I mean, that didn't happen. Yeah, and then 2020 came, I think, uh, some somewhat around beginning or mid of March, we all went to home offices. And then what happened pretty much in, in one week was all of our income vanished. The most income we have as a company is from either events event sponsoring, ticket sales, or advertising, and both markets totally broke down. So we were all in Kurzarbeit. It's that measure you can take in uh, Germany, or you, it's actually something that's very unusual, but in Corona uh, times, lots of uh, companies used it as a tool to not have to quit. Yeah, I mean, it's a forced part-time work in a way. Yeah, exactly. But as a company, you can save salaries. So you don't have to, you only have to pay part of the salaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and the rest of the salaries will be uh, are taken over by the government. So you just save a lot of cost as a company, but people can't work in that time. So it's kind of a pause button pretty much. Because if, you know, we, I think we all had like 10% of our working time. So like four hours a week, that was pretty much opening up your email program, read through, finish work for the week. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, nothing really moves. You know, you can't make big steps if your team isn't there. <laughs> and then that was the summer uh, after the first lockdown uh, where our founders decided uh, that they wanted to leave the com company. That was mostly for personal reasons, I think. I, th I actually think they were both tired too. And they asked me if I wanted to take over. And at that moment, I just thought I didn't feel done with Edition F. And I really wanted the company to live on. And I thought there's still something in here for me and for, for the rest of the team. And also it felt like, well, I mean, companies are failing because of Corona left and right right now. So if I actually fail, no one will no one will be that the whole economy you know, in this, yeah. like we're in this together yeah they can totally pin it on me that was kind of my safety net yeah so i took over officially beginning of 2021 and um was newly pregnant i had enormous nausea so i had lots of work to do and I went into digital meetings all day, kind of shutting off the camera whenever I had to go throw up <laughs> in the middle of meetings and go back. But we kind of, my partner and I made it work. Um, as soon as I could tell my team about it, they were very helpful and it, it kind of worked. It was a hard time. It was a tough time, but I, I didn't want to let go of either child or career and When I first found out I was pregnant, that feeling of being torn between those two things, career and, and child, family, whatever you want to call it, started. So before my, my son was even born, mm -hmm. I felt very torn between the two worlds, which I know I think pretty much all parents feel like, especially mothers. Yeah, and then uh, 2021 was... Okay, we kind of uh, crawled back with the company. I managed to get everyone out of the Kurzarbeit and um, get the team back together. And uh, we lost a couple of people over all the developments and so hired new people, tried to get the team, like a working team back, tried to develop a, a new vision for the company because Edition F was always very prominently presented by our founders. So we had to find ways to get their images off the company. I mean, they built this and they're, they will always be the founders of Edition F. So we didn't want to get rid of them, but we had yeah, to find new mean, ways yeah. to, right. to make the thing work without them uh, being involved. I mean, all of that took a while. And so a year passed. I had a baby in between. I started working after eight weeks after the birth. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, I think after that first year, it felt like 
we are at a point where we have a very good team, a very good energy. I felt like we're starting to create very good content, energetic, optimistic, still very valuable. And then the next crisis hit us pretty much. Mm. And with Corona not totally being over, we still are dependent on people buying tickets for our events. We're still dependent on brands giving us money for advertising or for, you know, sponsoring um, packages for our events. And um, there's still a big hesitancy about that on, on both parts. And we, that actually hit us this year very badly. And I knew that we had to be cautious and that we would have to be very cautious about spendings and budget very mm -hmm. well. But I didn't expect the economic um, situation or the macroeconomic situation in the world to develop the way it did. And right. um, that with, you know, two years of corona Does in the back. Um, That's the last breath, basically. Yeah. Yeah, because we just didn't have the the pillow to, you know, to fall back on. And for you as a leader, Lana, how did it feel for you to announce the preliminary insolvency? You can make this about a missing culture for failure in Germany, but it's also very personal to mm. me. And of course, this is something that I am in the end responsible for. This is part of the job, you know, I took over. So... I didn't manage to to do better and lots of people actually suffer from this now like the team of edition f they don't know if their jobs are secure until the end of the year i can't guarantee that for them right now and there are people who bought tickets to our conference of Lima future force day and the company can't pay them back right now so That's actually people, you know, buying a ticket for like their 80 bucks and or 100, whatever, like deal they actually took. But yeah, I mean, spending 100 euros on something in a situation where, you know, cost of living is very high. And that's, I think for lots of people, that's a luxury. And that's also something they did not only for themselves, but also to support Edition F and disappointing them and leaving them hanging now, that's actually just not a good feeling. That's very tough. Going through this, what advice would you give to women that are confronted to make a difficult decision or announce difficult times? I think I have to do some reflecting before I can take the final learnings from this. But right now, being in the middle of the storm, pretty much, I would say... I chose, together with uh, my team, I chose to be very transparent in the whole process and just be very open about what happened and what mistakes we made and what, you know, external factors led to us being in the situation we're in. And yeah, and, and just being very honest about that. And I also chose a very public arena to talk about that and um, I mean we have a very big community very big reach with our social media channels our magazine and 
we published the news everywhere instead of just in like a press release. And I recorded a video uh, where I talked about what happened. And I was very nervous about that, actually, because, uh, you know, that's actually giving the insolvency a face. And that's my face. <laughs> um, but I think that was actually a good decision because I think lots of people could really relate and it made it easier for them to understand the situation we're in. And I think most of the people just really believed that that wasn't, there was like a lot of circumstances coming together that brought us into that situation. It wasn't like, it wasn't ill will or whatever. Right, right. I'm, in, I'm inspired, Lana, by your courage and uh, being so transparent, bold and honest also with your community. I think that's um, what the world needs today, right? More transparency and more open conversations uh, rather than doing things behind the curtains. But what's ahead of you and the team and it's your F in the coming months? How do you see the future? Well, what happened after we went public is that uh, on the one hand, lots, hundreds, actually thousands of people got in touch with us just to, well, on the one hand, offer condolences of some sort, but also, you know, telling us how sad they were and also how much they value our work and how they think that Edition F is something that is actually very needed in the world right now. And also offering help a lot. Lots of people offer help. Lots of women actually offer help. Lots of female founders, small businesses came up to us and said, hey, we can't do much. We don't have much ourselves. But if there's anything we can do, we would like to help. And that's amazing. That's really something that uh, that struck me. But what also happened is that we got quite a few people and companies interested in taking over Edition F. So right. I'm talking to actually quite a lot of interested parties right now about a possible sale out of the preliminary insolvency. It's like daily new developments right now. So right. at that point where we are now, it's probably a different point to when this episode will be published. But I, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously hopeful that there will be a new home for Edition F. So, yeah, that's all I can say at the moment about that situation. But I'm actually working tirelessly in finding a solution for everyone involved, be it the, the team, be it the people who uh, we owe money because they bought tickets to a conference that is not going to happen. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one, but I think I will keep my eyes open on what is happening and how it's developing for sure. And I'm have uh, my gut feeling says that uh, live long edition F and the purpose of it. <laughs> I think the work that's that been put into it, the community that's been built, that's not going to disappear, and uh, there will be a way uh, through this. And oh, thank Lana, you. what I just uh, wish uh, you strength. <laughs> I think that's the most important, and uh, not forgetting to take a nap. From time to time. Yeah, if only that baby would let me. <laughs> <laughs> because we know taking a nap, this can help with that. Before we wrap up our conversation, and my question is always a bit of a maybe high note, and uh, that gives usually a highlight to a woman role model or someone that you find inspirational, interesting, or someone that's um, worth highlighting today. 
And my question, Lana, who is your woman author of achievement? I don't want to dodge the question, but <laughs> <laughs> I used to do my own podcast for Edition F. In one of the conversations, I talked to I talked to someone who said, I actually think it's much more sustainable to not have one role model, but take a little bit of lots of women or role models, because that way you can actually achieve being like getting that done or um, looking like that person or whatever. So that's actually something that, that I, I kept in mind because I actually would always strive for the unreachable role models, you know. And being totally honest, I will probably not become the next Michelle Obama or um, the next Angela Merkel or whatever. Maybe also because I don't really want to be... The life uh, is just starting. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But I mean, uh, just to keep it a little realistic. But I actually like the... Um, sorry, I'm rambling on. Um, I actually like the way of looking at the women in my life and thinking, you do that very well. And I'm inspired by that. And I aspire to do that thing as well as you but maybe in my own way. And I have the privilege of having so many very inspiring women, not only as my friends, but also in my work environment. I'm inspired by the people I work with every day. They're like, my team members are awesome in so many different ways. And they do such an incredible job. And the women we write about, the women we have at our events, the Edition F Award, for example, where we award women and non-binary people for their special projects, their works. It's so incredible what people out there do and how much of their lifetime they invest in projects to make the world a little bit better and to inform people and to work on equality and all that and it's just I would have a big problem just narrowing it down to one person fair enough but I mean of course going back to the start of this episode looking back at my family I know that I grew up with very strong women in my life. And I think that's not measured by how successful were they in different aspects of life, but also how did they deal with struggles. Yeah, and so I think I, I grew up with very strong female role models in my mother and grandmother. This is a perfect answer. Lana, thank you so much for today's conversation. And I started with saying that I really hope it's going to be personal, that I get to know you better and that it's going to be sincere. And to be honest, this went beyond anything I could have imagined. And uh, <laughs> thank you for opening up and sharing so much about yourself. I, again, admire your courage, being so transparent, open and talking about topics, which often people try to keep behind, so to say, curtains. And But also giving some light on how you overcame certain fears, how you dealt with um, Edition F from the start of a very like high rise, great point uh, of time to very difficult economic times and how you're finding ways currently for sharing that. I think this is very, it's a huge learning and it's very interesting to hear that from you. 
I really hope that people got to hear this and learn a lot about you, but learn about this is uh, women leaders today dealing with the good times, the bad times and building the bright future for us all. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests, or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening, and we're looking forward to being back soon. 